Welcome to episode 15 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Janessa Loriano. Let's go. Before I introduce today's episode, I just want to give a really special thank you to each and every one of you who have ever listened, downloaded, shared, or interacted otherwise with the podcast. It has now crossed the 1,000 downloads mark, which is amazing and humbling to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate all of your time and attention always. The downloads number is not the most accurate number of, of anything, but it is the the easiest or the most ac- aggregated stat that is available. The podcast analytics somehow are not that great. Whatever, I'll save you that uh, explanation. But um, it is it is a marker of things growing and things getting better. I'm super excited for how things have progressed up to this point, and I can't wait for what's next because there is lots more coming, and you better believe I'm not stopping this for a long, long time. Anyways, today's guest is Janessa Loriano, who is the owner and also trainer at O2 Fuel Fitness in Vaughan, Ontario. We connected on Instagram. Janessa was involved in a little bit of controversy, which kind of sparked this connection. I don't previously know her, um, but we got to know each other quite well. And, and I think that we got along really well as a really enjoyable conversation where we spoke about this controversy that, you know, we'll get into the, into the details of that in the episode and just spoke a lot about training and business and life and all of Janessa's amazing accomplishments and how she came up in this business and what things look like in the fitness world for, for trainers and for people like you who are, are not a trainer or someone in the fitness business and what fitness looks like coming out of COVID and all of the lessons that we've learned as humans, how to, you know, stay connected to, to what's true and to not just bury ourselves in our work, whether that's fitness or whether that's any other job and how that, you know, we use this fitness to anchor all the other things in our life. It's amazing that connecting with people like Janessa, who again, I don't previously know her from from before this podcast and so many of the things that we said are so similar in the way that we treat fitness as it's not the thing to do fitness is something that we do but it's really not the end goal it's just something that anchors us to be able to do all of the other things in our life so anyways enough rambling from me this was a fantastic episode uh, and i hope you enjoy it and that's that enough for me here it is my conversation with janessa loriano janessa thank you so much for joining me today thanks for having me it's been um, it's been an interesting way that we connected so far, but I'm happy that we got this done relatively quickly, and I'm really excited to speak to you today. I'm really excited for this. I've been looking forward to this all weekend. Awesome! <laughs> it's a it was a it's definitely something that needs to be talked about and we we need to address. But off the top, uh, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself quickly and let people know who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Janessa Loriano. I am a personal trainer and a co-owner at O2 Fuel Fitness. It's a fitness studio in Vaughan. We do semi-private personal training. Um, and yeah, that's that's the main, that's my main gig. I also own another business in the beauty industry. Um, I have my own little spray tan studio that came after fitness. It just kind of became a passion project. So I have two businesses, so pretty busy gal. <laughs> Amazing. It's fantastic and very impressive. And something that we'll get into for sure, because I mean, I am obviously not someone who knows many things about the beauty industry, but I can see how they're, they're both service industry. They're both, uh, you know, putting people first and customer service. And then your your product is beauty, is fitness, is, you know, whatever it is. So I think those are two fantastically um, related businesses. Yeah, they definitely go hand in hand. I mean, both uh, service, both of these service industries are all about just making people feel good and feel confident. So I'd say that's kind of my main goal or my main thing that I do that makes me feel fulfilled. Yeah, totally agree. I, I've always said that too in fitness. It's like we are in the people business. It's like they're 
we are good trainers and we do have to be good at what we do, but people need to like you before they can, before you can be just the best trainer in the world, right? Yeah. You've got to have a really good relationship with people because yeah, you could be the best trainer in the world, but if you don't have a relationship with those clients, then you could easily lose them. Yeah. And it seems like you have that community built very well just from, you know, we've never spoken before, but just from following you on social media and following the gym and whatnot, it seems like you guys have a really good community and you've done really well through COVID to kind of maintain that community and help everyone continue to grow and progress through that. Thank you. Yeah, we, our culture here is basically just really, really trying to keep a tight knit community. Um, we don't have thousands and thousands of clients like you would see at a big box gym because it's semi-private training. So we only have a couple hundred clients. That's our maximum. So we know every single client by first and last name. We know how many kids they have. We know those little things about them that they do outside of the gym. So I like to think that we have a bit of a family culture here. Yeah. And that's, that's what I always think is the most important thing in the, any kind of group training or anything that's not one-on-one only training. It's not something that I do. I have nothing against it, of course, but the big part of it is like that sense of community and knowing people. If you're just another person on the training floor who's getting yelled at to work harder then you know, people don't really need that. Yeah. I, I actually used to do one-on-one training. That was my first real training, um, I guess, business you could say. And I did like it in the time and I definitely learned a lot from it because I used to have my own trainer at a really young age. So I did love personal training at first. And to be honest with you, I was kind of against any type of semi-private training or even small group fitness. I was against it for a long time, but it was one of those things where they say, don't knock it till you try it. And I was definitely knocking it before I was trying it. And then when I tried it and um, a mentor of mine convinced me to give it a try, I was pretty impressed. And now to be honest with you, I, I despise, I'm not despise, I shouldn't say despise, but I definitely don't enjoy one-on-one training the way I do with the group. Cause just the energy is not the same. The community is not the same. Even the, the work, uh, I don't want to say work ethic, but the intensity of it isn't the same. You just don't get the same training because when you have semi-private training, there's other people around, it's almost like a team atmosphere. And I always relate it back to when I used to play sports, it feels like you're getting a really great training session in, but you're surrounded by your teammates rather than just you and your coach. I just find with one-on-one training, there's a little bit more time for chatter and stuff like that. So you don't get as great of a training session in anyways. Yeah. There's definitely that delicate balance between uh, just chit-chatting and getting to work. And then, and then at the same time with the group training, there's that balance of getting in hard work and just kind of messing around and having fun. But I'm, I'm totally with you just coming from an athlete perspective, former athlete perspective of, you know, you train in a group and you're always kind of that healthy competition, pushing, pushing yourself against your teammates and, and whatnot. It always helps kind of, you know, you rise to the occasion to, to try and push yourself a little bit harder, just get that extra rep in that extra second off the time or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And another thing too, I find is when it comes to one-on-one personal training, the majority of people can't afford to sustain that for a long period of time. And the whole reason that, in my opinion, there's a ton of great trainers out there and there's a ton of great training programs, whether you're using a trainer or not. But at the end of the day, it's the accountability aspect. Like even myself as a trainer, I know what to do. I know what program to do to reach my goals, but even I have an accountability partner and that's a huge reason that I've been able to make the progress in the last few months that I have. And just having that accountability is huge. So when you come into a place like this and there's community, you start making friends, you have a relationship with the trainers and your fellow athletes there. If you miss a whole week, everybody's going to know because they're used to seeing you there all the time. So accountability is a huge aspect 
that I am always trying to advocate for. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone needs it in different ways. I mean, I do mostly one-on-one training or only one-on-one training really pre-COVID kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, there's there's obviously like a time and a place for everything. Some people need that like one-on-one hyper attention and some people don't need that. And so, and even still as someone who does one-on-one training, I would I would not want one of my clients to stay with me forever. That's not my goal. I kind of want to get someone to a point where you can go off and do do the thing on your own or do it in a less supervised setting or whatever it is. It's like my job to teach you how to how to do human, how to be human better and not not having to hold your hand all the time. I love that you just said that because I say the same thing too, because I do take on a small, small handful of one-on-one clients and I don't always, it depends on my schedule, but there's usually a couple months out of the year where I'll accept one-on-one clients. And I always tell them the same thing. My goal isn't to have you forever. Um, I mean, it's different if it's an athlete or something, but usually with general population, my goal isn't to have them with me forever. It's either exactly like you said, to train them so that they can go and do some of this stuff on their own or I'll do one-on-one with them. And then I try to transition them into doing the semi-private training and build that community. Um, and that's typically more with people who maybe have injuries or other needs, or maybe they have a lot of weight to lose and it, they need to start off there or they've never exercised before. Yeah. Cause that, I imagine that as welcoming as that semi-private or group training is for someone who's brand new to exercise or to the gym, it can also be a little bit intimidating where other people are hyping you up and they're their encouragement or enthusiasm can be seen as as intimidating or or something like that, right? Even I get intimidated when I go into a new gym or somewhere I haven't been before and I've been training pretty much my entire life. So I think about that all the time. I mean, my cousin owns a gym as well. And the first time I went into his gym and he's my, my family, I was nervous there. Anywhere I go, when it's a new atmosphere, I get nervous. So when I think of someone who's never exercised before or maybe they are out of shape, I just, I just have so much respect for those people who get their foot in the door. Cause that's the, that's the first step is just getting your foot in the door. After that, you realize how welcoming it is and then it's all good from there. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing to say. And something that I've definitely felt too, is like that nervousness of going into a new gym, working out in front of new people, new strangers. It doesn't, it doesn't stop when you become a fitness professional, quote unquote, you know, we're all just humans and we all have this effect where, or this thought that everyone else is like looking at me and judging me, but everybody is thinking that about everyone. And really everyone's just caring about themselves. So there's actually nothing to worry about, but the feeling of that is totally understandable. And again, just important to notice that, or to note that it doesn't go away when you, you know, or, or fitness people are not prone or uh, exempt from this yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Uh, so I w- did want to start off with one thing and something that you kind of mentioned, just the progress that you've made over the past couple months and sort of the reason that we connected to do this podcast was that you, you know, why, why don't you just kind of explain the the scenario, the controversy, if you will, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I basically, I made a post, um, I guess I'll start by saying, over the last several months, I guess since COVID started, I set a few new fitness goals for myself and was looking to put on some uh, muscle mass. And I've always known what is required to do that. I'm naturally very petite. Um, I've been very small my whole life. I used to wrestle and I was wrestling at about 51 kilos. That was my weight class. And I was always around 140. 15 ish pounds was the max I ever was. So I was like, I would always cut to 51 kilos whenever wrestling came around. So I always had to stay near that weight for most of um, my teenage and early adult life. I always had to stay around that weight because when it came time to compete, you didn't want to have to lose a bunch of weight, right? You wanted to stay as close as you can to it. So 
I don't compete anymore or uh, this year anyways, I would like to get back into it. But I thought, you know what, I've always wanted to be a little bit more muscular and put that muscle mass on. This is an opportunity for me to do it because when you run a business, you don't usually have the bandwidth to do everything. I don't always have the bandwidth to meal prep as much as I would like to um, or sleep. Sleep is a big one. Obviously, rest and recovery is huge. But all the things that you need to do, I could write a whole list of them. I don't normally have the bandwidth to check all of those off. Now with COVID being closed, it opens up a door of opportunity. And I just wanted to see, you know what, let me see what I can do in this time frame. So I decided to implement all the things that I know I need to do to get to that goal. Um, really, I just wanted to see how much muscle I could gain. And I didn't have an exact weight that I wanted to be. I was like, I'm just going to do all the things I know I need to do and see how far I can push it. Um, and I really didn't expect to see the results that I did. Um, and I shocked myself. So I decided to post that on my Instagram. I was really proud of it. I didn't expect the results that I saw. I knew I was going to get somewhere around there, but I was pretty shocked, um, myself. So I decided to post that. And my goal of posting that wasn't to say, Hey, this is how much weight I gained. You can do it too. I would never say that because everybody's body is different. And I mean, I deal with hundreds of clients every single day and everybody's goals, everybody's transformations are different, but I wanted to say, this is how I did it. And I listed 10 of the many things that I did, um, to, to get there. And my reasoning for doing that was when I listed these 10 things, I thought, you know, maybe someone else who has a fitness goal or similar fitness goal, because, you know, there are a lot of women out there and guys too, that want to gain muscle mass. And sometimes that's not something that's talked about enough. Um, and a lot of the time you just see weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And I wanted to show, you know what, this is also a goal. If this is your goal, this is how I achieved it. And maybe they'll look at that list of 10 things and see what they're missing right now. So maybe they would look at it and be like, well, you know what, maybe I am not eating enough. You know, you always hear about like the busy moms who are always trying to feed their kids and then they forget to feed themselves and you can't achieve these goals if you're not eating properly. Or maybe they look at it and they're a busy entrepreneur or they're a student and they're like, you know what, I'm not sleeping enough. So I was hoping that they would identify something in there and think this is what I'm missing. Maybe I should try and implement more of this in my life. Um, so that was one of my goals of that post. And then the other goal was just to show people that just because sometimes you see the scale going up doesn't always mean it will. Most of the time, it doesn't mean that you're getting more unhealthy. A lot of the time it is muscle. And I get a lot of that with my clients. I have a lot of experience that with of a I have a lot of experience with that in my clients and I see them sometimes where, you know, they hit a point where they've gained this muscle now and they're so used to maybe stepping on the scale from previous programs that they've done. And when they step on the scale, even though their body looks completely different, their clothes are fitting completely different, their energy levels are totally different. They see that number on the scale and sometimes they freak out. And it's not about that. And you and I kind of had that discussion in the DMS when we were sending voice notes back and forth at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about your energy levels, how you feel both physically and emotionally and mentally. And so that was my whole point of the post. Um, and then I basically had someone who I've never spoke to before, never seen before, uh, come on there and try to call me out for being quote unquote, a liar, and then took my face. So normally when I get this, I think I told you this, uh, normally when I get these kinds of comments, um, haters, if you want to call them, that, <laughs> um, I'll typically delete them and then block them after that because I don't 
have all the energy in the world to deal with every single one of those kinds of comments. And usually it comes from someone that I don't know a lot of the time. So I'll usually delete them and block them. And so that's what I was about to do, went to go on this person's page and delete them and block them. And while I was on there about to do that, I noticed that they screenshotted my post with my full face in it and everything. You could tell that it was me. And then basically wrote that next to my face that I'm a liar, called me a fitness influencer. And this is why you shouldn't trust fitness influencers, et cetera, which I never have ever called myself that. And that's not what I would identify myself as because I'm so much more than that. Um, and then, so I, I ended up calling it out because this is something that happens, not just in the fitness industry, but it is very common in the fitness industry because it's been male dominated for a very long time. Obviously it's starting to change. You're seeing more and more female fitness trainers every single day, which I think is amazing. Um, but you know, fitness industry, testosterone, they go hand in hand. So you see it all the time in this industry, but I've been in lots of other industries before I've been in hospitality. Um, I've been in literally probably five other industries and I see it everywhere. Um, even when I talk about business, sometimes I find that there's always typically a guy that will have something to say about it and want to make me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. And so when I, when I discussed this on my stories after I said, you know, I normally don't like to give this much attention to these situations, but there's a common denominator that I'm, that I'm seeing almost every single time that I get spoken to in this way. And that common denominator is that it's always a guy. And typically they're older than me um, and maybe jealous is what I find. And I usually, usually you can tell when, when it's a jealousy issue, an insecurity issue, because most people don't lash out at others unless they have their own inner problems. And that kind of makes me sad in a way, but it also isn't an excuse to talk to people in that way or to plaster their face anywhere in that way. So I just wanted to call it out. And I have a lot of friends, female friends that are not just in the fitness industry, but other industries that I know have experienced this, whether it be, um, whether it be other guys trying to talk down to them or, you know, not, uh, what's the opposite. I'm trying to think the opposite of validate, invalidate, <laughs> trying to invalidate their credentials or whatever it may be. So I see it all the time. And after I posted that, the amount of DMS that I got from other females telling me their stories, um, about how they've experienced this too. I have one friend who worked for a team in the NBA. I won't say what team or anything. Cause I don't know if she would want me to share too much. Um, but she worked for an NBA team in the States. And then she also worked for one of the big universities in the States in their weight room, doing sports and conditioning with their athletes, including elite level athletes that are being looked at by the big leagues. And when she moved there and she started doing these jobs, she said every single day, it was a daily occurrence in the weight room where when she first moved there, the guys that were athletes, they wouldn't take her seriously for her knowledge. And she's been, she's very experienced, potentially, even if I looked at her resume, um, she probably even has more experience than I do. And they didn't take her seriously until months and months and months later when they saw what she was capable of. Um, but you know, a guy walks into that weight room and he gets taken seriously right away. As long as he looks like an athlete and he has that confidence when he walks into the room and it just sucks that we don't always get that same respect right off the bat. We have to prove ourselves a lot of the time. Whereas a lot of males will walk into the room with the same experience or maybe less and almost instantly they're taken seriously. So that's just something that I feel very passionately about. And I have nothing against 
any guy trainers or guys in business. I actually have so many guys in my community that are other trainers and we hype each other up all the time. And truth be told, most of the mentors I've had in my life in both fitness and business have just happened to be males. So I have a lot of respect for a lot of men. It's just about how people carry themselves or how they go about certain situations that I think could be a little bit different. Yeah, it is very disappointing. And I'll apologize on behalf of the world to you for that, for, for dealing with that. Um, you know, it's one of these things where it happens. It's, it's probably some interesting psychological phenomenon about something that I have no idea about dominance, some, I don't know, confidence, something, but that's nonsense. It should be ended. I don't know what the solution is to it. It's extremely unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I think we all kind of come to realize this at some point. I can even speak for myself. I remember one story in in first year university. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the fact that she was a woman, but she was a professor who was a guest lecturer in one of our uh, classes. And she was just an elderly lady and didn't look like someone who's in good shape. And here she is talking to us about fitness and whatever the lecture was about. And I was like, I remember saying to my friend, I was like, oh, what does this lady know? I took a couple of her classes uh, later in university. And she was like one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met <laughs> in fitness. And I kind of wrote her off just being young and immature. And it didn't have anything to do with that. She was a woman. It was just, you know, physical appearance that she was older and not didn't appear to be someone who was in shape. But, you know, you, you speak to her for five seconds, you know, person to person, you realize, oh yeah, she knows way more than I do. And she's like a, you know, a genius in all this stuff. So, I mean, it, it's so unfortunate that, that this happens and that it continues to happen. Again, I don't know what the solution is and that we'd be able to find a solution here. But the way that this individual kind of approached you or attacked you, if you will, maybe that's a little bit of aggressive in a term, but but still, uh, it just seems so wrong. And I said this to you as well, where, you know, if you're going to pick on someone who's like lying in the fitness industry, like go pick on somebody who's selling detox tea or waste trainers or like nonsense supplements and all these kind of like bullshit. Like you made a post about gaining 20 pounds of muscle and great. And maybe there, you know, there are individual words and nuances and that someone can pick on in there and like, you know, arguing about something that you didn't even say really is what he was doing. And it's like, go, go pick on someone who, who deserves to be, who deserves to be picked on male or female, but go pick on something that actually matters. Right. Yeah, you know, it was exactly he missed the whole point of the post. And that was what was um, disappointing to me. And you know, there's a lot of times where I've seen people post things. It's funny, you just brought up waist trainers, because that's one thing that I actually posted about not too long ago on my stories. And I did a whole discussion on it. And the reason I I had gotten the idea to post it, well, first of all, I see it being uh, advertised everywhere. I see lots of fitness influencers and even non fitness influencers, just even some trainers that are advertising these and a lot of the time they're getting paid to advertise them and whether or not they are is besides the point but I would see it all the time and it drove me nuts because I also come from the wrestling background so I know what happens when you wear those waist trainers I know how the water weight works and when you wrap yourself in those things and you sweat all those kinds of products so I saw someone post about it one day and it had been on my mind and I was like you know what I have time right now I was sitting at home I was like let me post about it because it's been on my mind so I posted about it and I never mentioned her name. I never posted her face. I never gave so much as a hint. All I said is I saw someone post about this and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And so let me tell you the science of why this does not work and why it might look like it works in the moment, but what happens after. So one, I didn't call anyone out because I wouldn't like it if someone did that to me. So that's why I didn't do that. And two, 
I am not going to make myself look like in a, you're not, you're not going to make yourself look good by doing that. Right. It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't necessarily make them look bad either. Um, the way you speak about someone else is always going to speak volumes. And my third point would be that I backed it up with scientific facts. I literally broke down what happens in the human body and what happens, um, both short-term and long-term when you use products like that to back up my point. And I think that if you're going to call someone out for something, especially when it comes to fitness um, and health, if you're going to say that it's not true, you have to back it up by science. And that was one thing that he never did. He just kept saying that's impossible. That's impossible. Um, but never once gave a point as to why he believes that versus me who posted 10 points as to how I got there. Yeah. And sometimes I, I do the same. I, I never call out any individuals. I've, you know, you see a bunch of stuff over and over again. And at some point it's like, you know, you're maybe having a, a bad day and you're like, I, I need to speak about this because I've seen it, you know, one too many times I was the last straw and I need to just say something about it, but not to call out any individual. Right. And, and, you know, you can spend hours and days and you can, all of your posts on social media could be about calling out nonsense, but that's not, I always think that that's not necessarily helpful. Like I would rather spend time giving good information, teaching, like saying positive things rather than constantly harping on the negative. And that's something that I think about quite often. And and that's the thing that holds me back from calling out a lot of the things that I see online. Well, it's about educating people, right? Like I think there's, um, it's always good to educate people, especially when we're in this profession. Um, and there is a lot of nonsense out there, like you said, on other um, pages and just anywhere on the internet, there's a ton of nonsense out there. So I think it's amazing to educate. And that's always my number one goal is to educate people. Um, but I would never do it at someone else's expense. So I just think that there's a new way to go about things. And you know, I, I'm not really sure. You said you said you're not really sure what the solution is to this problem when it comes to uh, the common denominator, which is the usually the guys coming down on women, whether they be younger. Most of the time, it's younger, successful woman, and successful doesn't necessarily mean you have a business or anything. There's multiple different definitions of what that could mean, and that meaning is going to be different to everyone. Um, but I just think that maybe for starters is. I think the girls are the solution. I think we're the solution. You as well. I mean, you're advocating for it and, and you're helping spread awareness right now just by even doing this podcast. But I will say a lot of women are afraid to speak up. And that's why I didn't want to just sit back. And I actually had someone who said to me, they're like, well, why are you even going to waste your time on this one person? And it wasn't about this one person. It was about the fact that this wasn't the first message or comment I've gotten that was with this kind of attitude. And I would ignore it and block it most of the time. But I'm like, if I keep doing that, how's that ever going to change? I have a platform and I have people that follow me. There are guys that follow me that can learn from it. There are women that follow me that can learn from it and understand that it's okay to stand up for yourself. Because at the end of the day, if I just keep letting it happen and all these other women, we just keep letting it happen. We don't stand up for ourselves. Then it's not going to change for us as women. And then I also think about the next generation of the young girls that are growing up right now. I think of my little cousins who are teenagers they're in high school when they go out into the workforce I don't want them to have to deal with this either so we we have to change it together it's not something that just one person can do and so I wanted to just show that this is an issue teach people um, to maybe think before they act and also to teach girls like it's okay to stand up for yourself you don't have to necessarily go on Instagram and talk about it the way I did but at least when someone talks to you that way, even if it's in person, stand up for yourself and let them know that it's not okay. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's a, 
extremely viable solution. And I love that you're not sort of taking the the victim mentality, if you will, and saying like, hey, like this is a problem that someone else, this is someone else's problem, but it affects me, it affects you. And you, you know, you have the power to do something about it and it's not going to fix everyone. It's not going to do everything, but you are doing what you can instead of sitting back and, and, and crying about it and complaining, you're taking steps to actually make things happen. Right. And I think that that's so important and something that's missed in a lot of these types of issues is everyone wants everyone else to solve the problem for them instead of, you know, doing what can I actually do to solve my own problems is a, is a big thing. And I mean, I said, I don't know what the solution is. I think the solution is for people to just be good people. Like, just don't be an asshole. It's really, it's not that hard, but (laughs) apparently it is that hard. That would solve a lot of the problems. And you're right. You know, I mean, most of the the good men or any women, anybody else is like, good people are not sitting around on Instagram calling people out. They're, They're sitting there doing good in the world, putting out good into the world. And so it's the people who are who are insecure or upset at themselves or, you know, they've got their own thing going on and they, they manifest it in this way by bullying, if you will. Uh, and, and that's not okay, but just being a good person, being a better person would really solve this issue. Just that's a, that's a tough one to tackle to just, just be good. It sounds, it's much easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. Common sense is not always so common, but <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah. So in that, in that post, we'll, we'll take this a little bit more fitness related now. So you did uh, successfully gain weight as per your goals. So tell me about what you did, uh, even one step back. Why was that more of a goal? I know you mentioned you just kind of wanted to see, but tell me about a little bit about the motivation because I know that some people struggle with this, again, mainly females, struggle with this as being a legitimate goal and something that is okay to pursue. So for me, to be honest, um, there was a couple different reasons, but I'll, I'll be completely honest from a young age. I think I had a little bit of an insecurity about being so small. And I think that's probably really interesting for some people to hear because you typically hear the opposite. And I remember when I used to play sports, so track and field was also one of my main sports track and wrestling were two sports that I competed, um, for a long time in. And when I did track, I was a sprinter. So I did uh, 100, 200, sometimes the 400 when my coach made me, but I hated it. Um, And I did relays as well as long jump. So those are very, um, very powerful speed sports, right? So when you have really small legs, people will look at you and they would, they would underestimate me. And I think that's something that is deep rooted in me. And maybe that's partially why I was a little bit triggered in that other scenario is because I feel like I've been underestimated in a lot of areas of my life. So I remember there was track meets and, um, the girls who were maybe not as tiny as me, they would call me chicken legs and they would tell me I was a twig. And people used to tell me all the time, like I should go and eat a cheeseburger or that I don't eat enough. And people always had something to say. And if you saw me and followed me around for a day and saw how much I eat, you would, you would just die laughing because I don't stop eating all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a little bit of an insecurity for me. And I always thought that I wanted to gain a little bit of muscle mass on my legs, but then I also did wrestling. So track season and wrestling season were opposites. So track during like the spring and the summer, and then wrestling was more in the fall and the winter. So I could never really gain the weight that I wanted to, that I felt I would be comfortable at. Um, And, and, you know, in track, you have to have strong legs to be able to move really fast, but wrestling my weight class, I had to stay near that weight. Like I said earlier, the 51 kilos, 
So I could never really go much heavier than that, or I would have to do a drastic cut when wrestling season came around, which is not healthy. Um, so now in my adult years, when I stopped competing, my lifestyle was just not fit for that goal either. I did bartending from the day I turned 18 up until only like two years ago. Even when I opened this business, I was still bartending. Um, I wasn't taking a paycheck. I was bartending three or four nights a week and then coming and running my business on like little to no sleep and just did what I had to do. So that doesn't really provide an environment for this goal either. So finally, when I did this, I was like, you know what? This is a goal I've wanted to do since I was little. I always wanted to be able to prove to myself that I could do this and show myself that I can do this. And just, I knew I would feel more confident with a little bit more mass on my body. Um, just cause I feel strong. Like I'm lifting more now than I ever have before. I'm able to do more pull-ups now than I ever have before. And it just makes me feel strong and empowered. And I just wanted to see what that would feel like. Um, so that was my main motivation behind that was to just finally do something that I wanted to do my whole life and wanted to prove to myself that, you know, you can do it. And I didn't have a specific number in mind. Um, I just said, you know what, let's push it as hard as we can and we'll see what we can do in a couple months or a few months. And so that's what I did. And then when I saw the results, I was really proud of myself. Um, half of my clothes don't even fit me anymore. Like they're too small and I'm pumped about it. And most people would not be pumped about that, but I am. And so, yeah, I just really wanted to be proud of myself and also show other people that if you put your mind to it and you stay consistent, that was the biggest thing is being consistent, um, that you can do it. Yeah. I, and I love that you mentioned that the weight, the actual amount of weight that you gained didn't matter. It, 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 you used it in the post just to say something because people, you know, it's easy to quantify things. Anyone can say, oh, I gained weight, but okay, how much did you, you know, people have questions and it's nice to say that. But, you know, I've always said too, the only time your weight or the number on the scale actually matters is when you're competing in a weight-based sport, like, like wrestling or combat sports or anything else where you need to hit the scale at a certain number. Other than that, if you look good, you feel good, you feel strong, you feel healthy, then who cares what your weight is? It's 200 pounds, 150 pounds. It doesn't actually matter. Right. And, and, and just to bring things back, that's one of the things that this guy in this post was missing completely is that it didn't even matter what the number was, but Anyways, um, I think it's, I think it's a really good thing to, to do that and to gain weight and just to, like you said, feel stronger, you feel more powerful. It brings a, an air of confidence about you. You take up more space physically in the world, which is a, which is a, a thing that it sounds like one of these, you know, very masculine testosterone driven things, but, but it matters. And anyone who has ever gained a significant amount of strength or, or gained an amount of muscle size will know that you feel better. You feel more confident in everything you do once you've hit that point. You know, I, I knew when I knew when I started this plan that I was going to feel more empowered, not just because I was doing something that I told myself I was capable of doing and then actually doing it. It was that I knew that if I had more muscle mass on me, I was going to be able to feel stronger as well. And that's one thing that was very important to me because other people, and I have nothing against this. A lot of my clients do this. We do before and after pictures and stuff. That isn't something that I wanted to do because for me being an athlete my whole life, I felt like to me, what I wanted to see was performance-based metrics. I wanted to see how heavy I could lift on certain things, not for anyone else, just for myself. And cause when, you know, when you have a new personal best on a lift, you just feel confident. You just feel empowered. And you feel like once you do that, it transfers over to other areas of your life. And that's one reason why I love training is once you accomplish something in the gym or outside, whatever it is, when you're training, you also feel that way in other areas of your life. So if I prove to myself that I can 
get stronger in the gym, then I prove to myself that I can get better at business. I can get better at mindset. I can become a healthier person mentally and emotionally. Um, even like financially, it makes you feel more empowered. I mean, I feel it spreads out to all areas of my life when I'm training consistently and I'm getting stronger. Um, it's, it's so funny how it, it drips into everywhere. Um, I find I'm more organized in business and even my financials and stuff. I swear when I work out consistently, I don't waste money as much. I don't go on these like random <laughs> spending, like shopping sprees and stuff. I consciously start saving my money. So it was just, it was not just about training. It was not just about hitting this fitness goal. It was about all the things in my life that it will help me feel more confident in. Yeah. I love that you said that because that's also the the whole theme of my entire podcast and everything that I talk about is that the gym and all these fitness goals and hitting PRs and all this stuff, it's it's amazing and it's fantastic, but it's not actually the thing that matters. It's just kind of like the anchor to everything else. And I'm totally with you on that. Like, you know, friendships are better, relationships, family, friends, you know, everything is better. You know, financials are better. All the things kind of get better when you can just focus on your physical health. And I think my personal kind of philosophy or or uh, theory on this is that it's something that we can relatively easily control. It's quite simple to go in the gym and lift and, and push yourself hard. And when you can anchor that and you have that set in stone, then you can you give yourself the space and the discipline to focus on the other stuff. But when everything's kind of a mess, you're, you're not your body doesn't feel great, then everything else it just trickles downwards as well. Hundred percent. I I truthfully don't find myself getting motivated by, uh, I mean, a lot of people will work out and I don't want to say this is for the wrong reason necessarily, but just my philosophy is very similar to yours that it's just for overall life. It benefits all areas. It's not just about fitness, but I know a lot of people will work out because they are focused on how they look appearance wise, the aesthetics of it. And that's great. Awesome. If that's what makes you feel good. But what I noticed when I stopped competing in sports, which is why I actually once business is up and running again, obviously COVID has just messed a lot of things up and my life is going to be very hectic when we reopen. But once my life kind of is a little bit more smoothed out after we reopen and get the momentum going, I do want to start competing in a sport again. I'm not sure which one I'll do because, you know, I, you can only probably, I can only pick one. Otherwise I'll be spread too thin, but I do want to start competing in a sport again because I like to have purpose more than just looking good. And so right now, while I can't compete in sports, what I learned about myself was that just training to look good wasn't motivating enough for me. It didn't get me up early in the morning to go and train. I mean, I don't pop out of bed at five in the morning thinking, Hmm, I'm going to go, you know, train my butt today or train my biceps <laughs> today. And that's my motivation to get up that early. That doesn't motivate me. What motivates me is all the areas in my life that get improved, like my relationships, my friendships. And one thing I thought of that I didn't mention earlier is I swear, even my, even my apartment is cleaner when I'm <laughs> like, when I'm eating healthy and I'm working out consistently, everything is just so organized, including my house. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is amazing how many things just get tied in and become so much better when you can really focus on that. And maybe it's different for other people. Maybe you and I are a little bit biased in their athletic history and that we are in the fitness industry. And so it, it means a little bit more, but, but at the same time, I don't really, I don't really think that I think that everyone can find this in some way. And I love that you mentioned the aesthetic aspect of it, because I'm sure many of your clients and the people that come to your gym have this, this same motivation as well. The first day they walk in, it's, Oh, I want, I want to lose weight. I want to look better. Uh, I'm going on vacation. I'm getting married, you know, whatever the case is. And, and I always think that that's fine. It's, it's okay. If that's the thing that kind of gets you started, then fantastic. Like take that and run with it as far as you can. But it's, 
and you tell me if this is the same in your experience, it's very, very rarely the thing that keeps someone in the gym past that like two or three month mark. I agree. Totally. I, I would say that the people who, the people who come in with that mindset, like you said, okay, if, if that's how you start out, great. But it's not the thing that usually keeps them going. The people who have been here long-term and continue to make this a lifestyle because that's what about what it's about. The ones who have made it a lifestyle are the ones who have realized that. The ones who have realized, okay, it's not just about the appearance and the aesthetics of it. And those are the ones who do it long-term because they see all the other benefits that we listed earlier. The people who only stay for a short period of time, which is fine. I'm okay with people going. We like to weed out the people who are not serious and who don't want to make this a lifestyle because that's not what we're about. Um, usually they're only here for a short term they hit their goal and then they either go and try and do it on their own or whatever um and i'll be honest most of the time when i've seen that happen we've had a lot of them that come back later on because they learn the lesson kind of the hard way like they'll come and they'll lose the weight and they're like okay that's it i'm done i'm good i'm gonna go do this by myself and then they don't maintain the lifestyle because they were doing it for the reason of just aesthetics and they typically end up coming back to us or they end up back where they were before Yeah. And I love that you sell it like that or not sell like that, but mention it like that, that it is a lifestyle because, and again, it's the fault of nobody that, you know, you might think that, oh, I'm signing up for a 12 week program. I'm signing up for six week program, summer shred, whatever. And, but what happens after that? Like, what about, you know, we get the before and after picture, like you mentioned, well, what about the after, after picture? What about that one? How does that look? And what is that? How do people get to that to make this, whatever transformation that they've done in a short period of time sustainable? Because that's what really matters. Nobody really wants to go through this roller coaster of life when you, you know, you lose a bunch of weight, you gain muscle, whatever, you hit your goal, you look great, you take a couple great photos on vacation at the beach, and then you just, you know, winter comes around, you, you let yourself go, and then, you know, it's, it's, April, the first nice weekend in April, and you're like, oh my God, it's summer again. I gotta, I gotta go back to the gym and, and do this all over again and just perpetually do that for forever. Yeah, it, it exactly. I I wouldn't want to live that way. And to be honest with you, I've gone through a couple of phases in my life where I did feel a little bit like that. I mean, like I said, I typically when when I get out of shape, I get um very thin and I don't like that. I try to I don't feel strong like that. I don't feel strong mentally or physically. I know for other people it's you usually the opposite. Um, but I've gone through this like yo-yo up and down, um, for, I would say there was like a year in my life where I did that probably the year that I was, like I said, bartending when I was opening the business, which is so just funny because I was opening a fitness business. And then that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I was going up and down. I would lose a bunch of weight, feel unhealthy, feel lethargic. And then I would try to go back to feeling strong and eating enough food and stuff and going up and down. And it was a horrible time mentally, mentally and physically. I hated it. And, um, that was the most unhealthy year of my life. So I got a little taste of that for the first time during that year of how people feel going on and off the roller coaster. And ever since I was able to maintain after that, um, I I can see why people, you know, it's not, it's not easy to maintain this lifestyle, but if you really want to feel good and you really want to feel the benefits of your overall life, then you'll make it happen. And some, for some of my clients, that means they get up really, really early and they get here no matter what, 
even if that's only three times a week, three times a week is amazing. Some people think they have to come like six times a week. You don't have to, you're better off coming three times a week consistently than coming six times this week and then not coming for three weeks and then coming again for six times in a week. And people, I'm trying to get them to understand that, that it's about consistency. Um, and for me, that was a huge thing that I had to learn because I came from that athletic background where you're training hours and hours a day, almost every day. Um, and so it was really hard for me to understand the consistency and taking rest days and stuff and in this last year um i've really really been able to hone in on that and now i'm just trying to get people to do the same thing yeah and it really is about that consistency and giving a consistent hard effort so one of my favorite former client stories she'll listen to this and, and she'll know that i'm talking about her but when she first came she said i want to work out every day i said how many like you know how many days a week can you train she said every day i said i don't think that that's a good idea like this and someone who wasn't previously uh, working out. And then, you know, we did three days a week. And after the first week, she said, Oh, I don't think I could have done every day. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you, anyone can do seven half-ass workouts a week. That's not, but it's not really moving the needle. If you give me three like hard days, that's, what's going to make a difference. Right. And, and just to bring it back a little bit, I think it was probably a blessing in disguise for you having going through that little experience of losing control of your physical health in the middle of opening up your business because it gives you that insight into what other people who are not fitness people, quote unquote, go through. The difference is that people like you and I will realize this. Like we go through these periods of two where I'm just losing control. I'm not working out. I'm not eating great, whatever. But then I I can always like bring it back. I, I realize it before it gets too far and then bring it back. Whereas I think some people who are, have not been exposed to fitness and health in the way that you and I have, it just, it it doesn't ever get it doesn't ever catch their attention in that way. And then, you know, six months becomes a year, becomes five years. And then next thing you know, you look down, it's like, well, how did I, how did I gain 50 pounds? And why am I taking 15 medications for my doctor now? Yeah. It's like, they think it just happens overnight because they live with themselves every day and they don't see it until exactly one day they're like, Oh snap. And you're right. For me, I was totally aware of it when it was happening. And at the time it was a sacrifice I was making, um, to be able to open my business, my fitness business, which again, like I always just think is so funny, but, uh, at the time it was a sacrifice I had to make so that I could, you know, pay my rent and put food on the table. And I knew, you know what, like, I'm going to make this sacrifice. I'm going to do it for just X amount of time until I'm able to support myself and start paying myself at, um, at the business. And then when that time came, I knew, and I, I did exactly what I needed to do. I went back on, I got back to it. I was eating better. I was sleeping better. Honestly, just within a couple weeks of quitting that bartending job after I was like a whole new woman. And I don't think I realized how much it affected my health. I mean, I knew I wasn't training as much because I wasn't sleeping almost at all. And you know how it is. If you're not sleeping, you're not recovering and your muscles, they can't repair themselves. So it kind of got to the point where it, there was no point in me even training. Um, and I was just, you know, doing what I had to do. So when finally I was able to get back at it, I did exactly what I had to do and I could jump on it again, but not everyone has that luxury or that knowledge. Um, to be able to do that. So I was in a really good position in that sense, but you're right. I don't regret that year because I think it did teach me a lot and it gave me a taste of what other people go through. And I know that it wasn't even as bad as some other people that I've seen. So it did give me a little taste and I'm grateful for that because that was probably the first time I ever really experienced not having um, not, I've never gone a whole year without having that kind of lifestyle until then. And it was really weird for me. Yeah. And I think, and I think an important, 
um, note or lesson to, to take from that is that, you know, we won't be able to train hard all the time forever unless your job is a professional athlete. And I've said this before, and I'm probably gonna have to quantify this every single podcast, like being an athlete. When I say that, I mean, like your job is to play a sport and get paid money for that. Uh, the rest of us can be athletes in real life, but we're not actually athletes. So our main focus in our life is not our fitness and myself included. And anyways, um, so you train hard when you can, you know, right now, the past 12 weeks or, or whatever it was, you knew that you had the bandwidth to give it your all, like dial in all the things, your nutrition, your sleep, your recovery, your lifestyle and get it done. Whereas that year when you're opening your business, your fitness was not your main goal and that's okay. So you kind of put it on the back burner. You probably didn't totally 100% neglect it. You did what you could, but you also did it with your eyes open, knowing that there was an exit strategy, knowing that what you were doing was a sacrifice, but that you were going to repair that when it happened. And so my thing is always like train hard when you can, because you don't know what's going to happen later. So when you have the bandwidth, when you have the space, the time, the money, whatever, get it done because there, it's not always going to be your main importance in your life. Yeah, exactly. And you, like you said, you always, there's sacrifices that you have to make at certain uh, chapters of your life. And at the time that was the sacrifice I had to make. And now um, my, my business is being sacrificed a little bit right now, not sacrificed because, you know, the government is forcing us to be closed right now. So it's a little bit different, but I'm taking this rather than crying about it. I'm taking this as an opportunity to, okay, well, I can't have my business open right now. So what I am going to do is focus more on my training because I haven't been able to give this much focus to my training in a very long time. Um, so I'm just taking the opportunity to do that. Cause like you said, when you don't know when you're going to get that opportunity again, and when things open up again, I probably won't be able to go as hard as I'm going right now. I'll be able to maintain it, but that's why I'm happy. I'm doing this now. Cause when the business opens, I'll have the bandwidth to maintain. I just probably won't be climbing as quickly as I am right now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually kind of funny that I had the same experience as you, but just opposite in the first lockdown, my training was my main focus. I got in probably the best shape of my life last year. And I was like, okay, I'm you know putting everything else on the side. Yes. Gyms were closed. And so I didn't have that option to be grinding in, in that sense, but I trained my ass off as the hardest I trained in basically forever. And it was great. And then this time around this lockdown, I said, no, there's other things that I need to focus on the podcast and you know, whatnot. And so my training is on the back burner right now. I'm not neglecting it, but it's just on the back burner and it's not my main focus. And so I, I find that, um, that similarity kind of, kind of funny that, but it's in the opposite direction. Well, you can't spread yourself so thin where you're like focusing on everything at once. Like there are so many things in my life that I want to do. And I feel like you probably feel the same way. Like you said, you have the podcast now and everything. So it's like, you can't do everything. And that's one thing that I've also come to realize because I, and my mom would vouch for this, but she hears this, she listens to this after she's just going to die laughing because my mom has always been the kind of person who is um, more simple and she isn't as much of a... I don't want to say she's not a go-getter, but she's more of like a family woman. She doesn't want to have all these businesses and she wants to like come home at 5 PM and clock out and check out and relax. Whereas me, it's like, I'm go, 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 go all the time. And I always want to be doing something, but that can also be a disadvantage because you start to burn yourself out and you spread yourself thin. You take on too many things and you can only do so many things yourself. So I find that you always have to make a sacrifice somewhere when you have a goal and you're getting really laser focused on it. There's got to be sacrifices made somewhere unless you're going to get help and delegate it to someone else. So um, 
just that's something that I've really come to terms with this year and I feel like for my mental health it's been really good to start understanding that a little better and I'm trying to get other people to do the same because I think that was a big reason as to why I've burnt out so many times in the past. Totally agree and I think that myself included uh, so many of us in the fitness industry have realized this in the past year where when gyms got shut and all that it forced us to to stop working at least for a little bit in, in a different capacity where we weren't able to be spending 80 hours in the gym a week and and not not to say that oh our job is harder than everybody else because everybody's job is hard everybody works hard uh, like I'm not here to play the who works harder game it's a silly game to play but you know when you're when you're on your feet you're giving your energy you're giving your time all the time when you're forced to slow it down and say like, oh, what what else do I do? Do I talk to my friends? Do I have like other hobbies? Like what else are there things to do? Like, oh, I have to do something now. I can't just be working all the time. And I think that was a, a blessing in disguise for a lot of us in fitness. And I'm interested to see how it changes the industry kind of going forward when we do eventually come out of this. I I actually have a friend who is also an entrepreneur and is always so wrapped up in business like an amazing business person, but almost to the point where I kind of try to open their eyes up and be like, Hey, listen, there are other parts to your life that, um, you can enjoy, like, don't feel guilty, you know, taking a little bit of time away from your business. You put in so many years into that. You've put so many years into that business and so much time and energy and made so many sacrifices. There comes a time where you have to enjoy the other parts of life too, whether it be travel, whether it be family, whether it be, um, whatever, whatever that might be to you, exploring other hobbies, even just if that means watching Netflix for some people, whatever that might be. Um, I kind of had to say like, don't feel guilty for doing that because right now it's gotten to the point. I think COVID was a big eye opener for them, but it's gotten to the point where they identify with their business so, so much and have not nurtured the other areas of their life. And I think now that COVID has happened, it's kind of opened our eyes to, you know, if we lose that business, because it is a possibility, we see businesses closing left and right over the last year. If you lose that business, what else is important in your life? There's so many other things. And so I have an older sister and I've have always tried to learn from her mistakes when she was being, you know, a crazy teenager and stuff. And ever since then, I've always had an eye for watching other people and seeing what mistakes they're doing or not necessarily mistakes, but I watch what they do. And I kind of think, you know, do I want my life to be like that or do I not? And I try to learn from that. And obviously I learned from my own mistakes too, but I watch this friend of mine and I see how burnt out they get. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I don't want to do that. And so this year I've really tried to focus on other things that are important to me because, um, there's so much more to life than just business or even just fitness. There's so many other things. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I feel exactly the same. I, I've told this story. I don't know if here, but for sure on Instagram was just like in the last year and last fall, I, we went and watched the sunset on a Wednesday night for the first time ever. And I was shocked that there were like other people there just watching the sunset. And I was looking around and I remember saying this to my friend and I'm like, what are all these people doing here? She's like, oh, they're just watching the sunset. I'm like, but it's Wednesday. Like, aren't these people like working? Like I would have been working too, but it was, you know, gyms are closed and whatever. And like, no, people just do this. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's incredible. Like why, why don't I do this? Right. And so there's so many of these little tiny things that we we've taken for granted. And you're right. The ability to switch off is also a good skill that we as entrepreneurs, as, as fitness people, or as anybody else, we need to learn that you need to be able to just, you know, turn your phone off, not answer your messages, not think about work or whatever else you have going on and just be in the moment and do whatever it is that you're doing and enjoy that. Right. 
Yeah, I feel like for, there was a period of my life. So I actually lived down South for two years. I was living in the Dominican Republic. And when I was there, I learned so many things like that. Like I learned how to watch sunsets, for example. I mean, you have the most beautiful sunsets there. And in a country like that, people care more about those little things than anything else because most of them don't have much. And so that was something that I really learned to do when I was there is enjoy the sunrise, enjoy the sunset, enjoy the conversations you have with people. And like you said, not being on your phone so much, I actually didn't even have a SIM card for the first nine months that I lived there. And I still to this day, believe that those were the best nine months of my entire life because I was truly in the moment enjoying those little things and not being so distracted um, with work and business and my phone scrolling through social media. Um, and I got away from that a little bit over the last couple years, especially before COVID opening my business and everything when I moved, because that was the reason I actually moved back to Canada was to um, focus on business. And I always said, you know, I want to focus on business and then I want to be able to spend my winters on an island or traveling again so I can go back to that lifestyle where I was just always in the moment, which is so strange because now these last few years, it's just been like hustle, 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 hustle. And I kind of got away from that. And it's like, wait, hang on a second. I spent those two years there and I, and I learned all these valuable life lessons. Why am I getting away from that? so much. So I'm trying to take it back to that and remember how I felt when I was there, just being in the moment and enjoying those simple things in life. So this last year has given me the opportunity to do that as well. Yeah. And it's tough because you haven't been able to get back there. Like, you know, now that you're not running the business physically in person, um, you know, you would have had the time to, to go back there and spend that time there, but obviously travel restrictions and whatnot doesn't allow for that. But, um, building off that, like, what are your actual strategies? Have you thought about this for when things do open, we get the green light, uh, you know, imagine snap of the fingers, COVID's gone tomorrow, gym is open, gym's packed. What is your strategy for sort of maintaining this, this level of balance? Um, well, the biggest thing I'll be honest is, um, delegating and hiring people and asking for help. That's another huge lesson I've learned over the last year. Um, I'd say even before this year, but I really, have always had a hard time asking for help my, my whole life. I don't know what it is, probably a, a little bit of a pride thing. I'm not going to lie. I grew growing up. I always was super, super independent. Even from a really young age, my parents just always taught me to be independent. Um, just to give you like a small example, when I was playing sports, my parents were like, okay, like you can go ahead and play sports, but we're going to be at work. So you have to figure out how to get to practice on your own. I would take the bus to and from practice would spend hours waiting at bus stops and going on buses because that I just wanted to make that happen. So I've always been independent, but I think in a way that kind of also made me not want to ask for help because I always felt like I had to do everything on my own. And in a way it's good, but now going into business, you can't do all the things. I can't be the front desk person, the admin person, the manager, the one who does the finances, the one who does the accounting, the one who does the training, the one who does the sales and the social media. So we've been trying to disperse more of those responsibilities. And COVID has really made that challenging because there's been uh, a couple of people that we've hired and one person we hired right before COVID, we trained them up and everything. And then literally the first week that they were ready to go and train on their own, COVID shut us down. <laughs> so then we're closed for five months and then we reopened and it was like, we had to give him a refresher because it had been so long. And then now just before this lockdown, when did we lock down? March, we had just interviewed another trainer, hired her on, and we were about to start her training and then COVID locked us down again. So it's really screwing up my plan. Yeah. <laughs> but all in all, when, when we are allowed to be open and stay open, 
the biggest thing that I need to implement that I know will catapult everything else is just asking for help, delegating out and hiring the right people so that it gives me back some of my time so that, you know, I have the capacity to continue with my own training and make sure I'm still training myself three or four times a week and that I still have the time to go to the grocery store and meal prep and that I still have the time to get my seven, eight hours sleep or whatever it is that I need. Um, so, you know, I think I just, I have learned that you have to suck up your pride and ask for help when you need it. And that's been very, very hard for me to grasp, but that I would say is the number one thing that will help me in all other areas is if I do that first. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's a, probably a really common thing that a lot of entrepreneurs and people in business need to start doing more of, or, or should probably start doing more of is just asking for help and, and saying no to things. I know that that's a big one for me is just sometimes you got to say no. You can't give 100% of yourself 100% of the time. It's just not possible because then there's going to be nothing of you left to give. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that things will open up and that you will be able to maintain those and get back to the DR and, and anywhere else that you want to go to because it, it will be better. And you know, your business will run better. Your life will be better. Everything will improve. And you know that it's just about actually getting it done. Exactly. I think when COVID is over, I feel like the fitness industry is just going to boom. So I, I know once I get those things in place, it'll be really good for us. It'll be really good for our team and all of our trainers and stuff. So I'm excited to get to that point. I'm very hopeful and I, I know we'll do great, but it's just a matter of when right now. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I'm, I don't know if worried is the right word, but I know that when things do open up, it's going to be like a mad rush back to the gym. It's going to you know, it's going to go crazy and that's good. And I'm excited for that. And I want to get back to that. But then it's like, how quickly is it going to go from zero to 100? And am I going to be able to rein it back in? Because you're going to want to work. I want to work. I want to get back to seeing people, but I also want to maintain this, like, you know, this, this semblance of balance and doing other things. And so how quickly am I going to get roped back into that hundred percent? And, and I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure that I'll be able to actually hold myself back for long enough. Cause you want to get back to it but not all the way back. Well, one thing that we actually have implemented this year um, since COVID during one of the times that we were open, uh, because we kind of went from zero to 100 as well. I, I feel like that's what happens every time we get reopened because we yeah. usually only have like a couple days warning and then at zero from zero to 100 really, really fast. And you there's always this flow of people coming in the door after. And as much as people say they're worried, oh, fitness is going to be only online and, you know, the gyms are going to suffer after. I, I highly disagree with that. I think the online market is definitely going to be bigger than it used to be, but I don't think that online training will ever take away from the business of in-person. And I know that when we reopen, we're going to be getting flooded again. So previously what we actually had to do was increase our prices. And we, to be honest, we increased them quite a bit, but along with that, we, added value and we added more features to our program that we didn't have before and more attention to our clients and more training with our trainers. Um, so we added a lot more value and I feel like both myself and my business partners, I have two uh, business partners, one that is here with me physically in the location and the other one is in my hometown. He does most of the online stuff, but both myself, my business partners and our staff team all felt like a weight was lifted off of our shoulders when we did that because it was like okay so now we don't have to cater to as many people because we only have um our capacity was is smaller now but we just raised our prices so that we can 
afford to do that. And so we can maintain that. And that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. So um, I just wanted to share that because anyone who's listening, who is, I'm assuming most of your listeners are in the fitness industry and trainers and stuff. Uh, yeah. It's trainers or regular people, gen, gen population, people who, people who would, people who would be potential clients. Okay. So I would say like anyone who's listening, who's a trainer or in the fitness industry, if they are like, don't be afraid to to do that if you need to, because at the end of the day, if your energy is being sucked out of you and you're just drained, you're not going to be able to give yourself to your clients as much as you need to, which isn't fair to them, right? So um, that's one thing that I learned this year as well, is not to be afraid to do that uh, when the time comes. And we haven't raised our prices since the first time was actually now during COVID, we opened in 2018 and we never raised our prices once. So, you know, COVID kind of pushed us to do that, but it was coming due anyways, but I'm able to provide a lot more for my clients now. So. Yeah. There's always that delicate balance of, of, you know, less clients for, for more money or more clients for less money. And that's a, you know, whole business, uh, separate discussion that I don't think I'm necessarily qualified to, <laughs> to have. And, and, you know, we can go forever on the economics of that. Um, but, but just to circle back to the fitness business. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think I agree with you that online will be bigger than before, but I think fitness overall will be bigger than before. So yes, there's going to be more people online, but there's also going to be more people in the gym. And you know, I've seen, and you've seen that people miss that human to human interaction. We, we can do the zoom sessions and, and you know, honestly, I've stopped doing the one-on-one zoom sessions. I, I, I hate them. And I'll just say that I can't stand doing them as a coach or clients. It's just not the same. And it's like, I'd rather just give you your programming. You do your thing on your own. We can chat on the phone. We can do a zoom call if, if we need to talk, but me sitting here at my computer, watching you do the exercises, it's not the same as being there physically in person. And I, I can only imagine in the group setting, it's, it's even worse. You know, you're looking at a, a zoom screen with, you know, 15 or 20 or 30, or however many people you have in your classes, little tiny boxes, and you're trying to coach and correct and do things properly. And you're like, well, what am I, I can't see anything. I have no feedback. Like what, what's even happening here? Right. Yeah. It's, it's really challenging doing them. And I'll be honest, like, um, when we first started doing them at the beginning of the pandemic, so it originally started as Facebook lives. We have like a private Facebook group with our clients. And when the pandemic first happened in 2020, we thought it was only going to be a couple of weeks. So we didn't plan for it. We really didn't have that much structure for it because I was like, Oh, we're going to be open again in two weeks. So like, why am I going to create a whole program for two weeks? So I just hopped on Facebook live every day at the same time. And when we started, there would be like, 50 people on this Facebook live doing it with us saying, Oh, this was amazing. And then a couple of days later, it was like 45 people, 40 people. Then the next week it was like 30 and it kept going down, 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 down. And I find every time that a lockdown occurs, it's the same thing. And the more and more lockdowns that happen, the less and less attendance at each of them. Um, and I think that it will just never be the same as in-person. And there's a handful of people who have said to me that they love the online training, um, not specifically ours, but just online training in general, that they love it. And they're like, oh, I love being able to train from home, et cetera. And I think that's amazing if they can get into it. Um, that's really amazing. There are days where I wish that I could get into at-home training all the time, especially when my schedule is busy. But I don't think that everybody's gonna gonna want that. And the amount of people, I mean, we don't open now, obviously, because it's illegal, but we get people messaging us all the time saying like, can you just come train me? Can I just come there? Like, I'll come in the back door, whatever you need. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but we can't do that. But I love your enthusiasm. And I love that you're excited to get back. And typically, those are the people who come back the first day that we open up again. Yeah, it is. It is a, a nice thing to hear. And that's happening 
everywhere in the fitness industry, we're getting messages all the time. You know, all of my other trainer friends, whatever people like, can't wait to get back. Uh, can you, can you use this back door? Can you, is there this loophole we can do? And it's like, well, I mean, we could, but at what risk kind of thing, right? Health wise and financially and legally and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so that's, it's good that people are interested. And like you said, I mean, the, at the beginning, the online stuff, it was new. It was exciting. We all thought this was only going to be a couple of weeks. And so it was kind of like fun. Oh, let me hop on this bandwagon. And then it got old real fast. And then we realized that, well, the thing that I think that a lot of people realize is that health is more important than they previously thought it was for people who didn't kind of have this thought before. And then the second part of that is they realize that on the training and workout side of stuff, they don't really know what to do. And that just to follow along YouTube videos is not really enough. It might be enough to get going and, or, or on the other side of it, when you already know what you're doing, it's enough just to, just to do it. But anyone in the middle you need a little bit more. And that's where this in-person really comes back into play. And it's it's never going to go away. I think of all the things, you know, our industry is certainly not pandemic proof, but I think it is, you know, robot proof, AI proof, if you will, that in the in the future where, you know, there's something about that human connection to each other and, and in that group setting that can never be really replaced. I agree. I don't think, I don't think it'll ever be replaced. And I actually used to get people all the time, even before COVID. I remember actually when I was living in the Dominican Republic, I was, um, posting all the time, what I was up to, who I was training and stuff. And people used to ask me all the time, why don't you do online training? You should start an online fitness business and do training over zoom and all that. Cause that did exist before COVID It's mm-hmm. just now obviously much more popular. And I would get that all the time. And to be honest with you, that probably would have benefited me a lot financially living there because it wasn't easy to run a business down south in that country and I just told people like I don't believe in it the same way that I do in-person training I think it's great for some people and I think it's better than doing nothing absolutely but as a trainer my belief is that it's just not going to be as safe or as beneficial. I mean, just to give an example, even when I train someone in person, like if they're brand new, just for example, sake, let's say a squat, they're standing right in front of me and I'm teaching them how to do a squat for the very first time ever, or the very first time properly. And I'll show it to them in front of them. And the first time they do it, it's never right. You always have corrections to make. And then I'll say, okay, you know what? Like push your hips back more. And sometimes they still don't grasp it because not everyone has that body awareness so it can be a challenge in person sometimes depending on the person's um you know experience but if that's going to be a challenge in person sometimes imagine now online and especially if it's not where you you can see them and you're just sending them a video and you're like here you go here's a video of me teaching you how to do a proper squat and then you basically just cross your fingers that they do it correct which they're not going to (laughs) so I just, I always told people, you know, I just don't feel the same about it. And morally speaking for me, I, I'm cool with other people doing it for me. It's not my favorite thing. Now we have done some pre-recorded workouts that we've given people and stuff just to keep them moving throughout um, the pandemic and mostly for their mental health, to be honest with you. The biggest thing for me is the mental health. And I wanted to keep people going in that aspect. So I did do it, but I would never recommend that over in-person training. Yeah. And there is a way to do it. I mean, the people that you were doing this for, they were your clients who you were previously training in person. I, I, I'm sure there were some brand new people who just signed up and have only ever trained with you virtually through, through the group fitness, but probably not that many. And those who were with you, you know, you've taught them how to squat and how to do all the movements. And so you trust them to do it properly and to do it safely and effectively. And that's something that I do the same is like, if, if new people are coming to me, oh, can you just write me a workout program? It's like, well, yeah, I could, but 
I don't know how you move. I don't know how you do things. It, it's going to take a little bit more for me to sleep at night after I give you this program. I can just write you a program, charge you whatever, and, and hope that you don't hurt yourself and hope that it's effective. But that's not really what it's about. That's exactly what it is. You just worded it perfectly, actually. Like you want to be able to sleep at night. Like, yeah, sure, I could give it to you, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel right to me. Um, so I'm just really excited to get back to the the in-person training. And and also, I mean, there's times where even you've probably done this before too, but I love to record my training sessions sometimes. I'll record a set and then I'll watch it afterwards just to see my own form because even as trainers sometimes we need the feedback whether it's a feedback from another person or feedback from ourselves just watching the video I'll watch like my first set and I'll be like oh, okay I could have done this better and then I'll record it again do the second set and I'm like okay that was better I, I did a better job at correcting at that time so it's not even I'm just for clients or quote-unquote regular people even for us too having that feedback is just your training is on another level when you can get that feedback yeah, I do that. I do that often for for the bigger lifts for myself too. It's just film it, especially if it's feeling off on that day or I haven't been progressing as as quickly or as much as I should be. And I'll look at it and be like, oh yeah, it's because I'm doing you know whatever wrong or or whatever not optimally or just ask a friend in the gym or something. Hey, watch me do this set. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I know something is off, but I can't figure it out. And I think that's another part of the whole thing is that this doesn't end. And for someone who's who is a client who's general population, not a trainer, I mean you can get the exercises. I can tell you to do a squat. I can give you all the instruction or you can see a video of me doing it. If I send you a video, here's me doing it. Copy this. And you might think that you're doing it right. And then a lot of people will feel, it feels like I'm doing it wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. And that's where a lot of the value of filming yourself. And, and if you don't know how to fix it, then having a trainer watch that video. And I do this all the time. So, okay, send a video of yourself to me and let me let me look at it and see what's what's going wrong there and then we can figure it out together because it's hard to put that that mind body connection together sometimes to see okay well i know that it's wrong but i don't know how to fix it i love that because that just goes to show that even everybody but even us as trainers we're always always learning always trying to progress and we're not perfect either there's always strength and weaknesses we have and I love that you said that because my, uh, one of my trainers here, her name is Jess and her and I train together all the time and her and I will both do that with each other. I'll be like doing a deadlift or something. And I'm like, Hey, this feels really off today. Can you look and see what I'm doing if I'm not recording myself? And she does the same thing with me. Cause you know, you just have off days sometimes. I mean, one day you might have really good squats and horrible deadlifts or vice versa the next day. It really just depends your body and your mind changes every day. Yeah. And I think, again, it's important to highlight that we as fitness professionals are not immune to this. Like it's never perfect. We, you know, I'm sure you get this all the time. You demonstrate an exercise for the for the group class or for individual clients, whatever. And it's like, wow, it looks so easy when you do it. Why can't I just do it like that? And then I, I don't know about you. My answer is always like, well, it looks easy when I do it because it's my job to for to make it look easy. But also I've been doing this for so long and practiced it so many times that that's why it looks like that. But if I look at myself doing it, I will critique the shit out of myself doing it and find a hundred things wrong. But you know, there there are levels to it, to what we got. We got to focus on the, the main things first and then we'll get there, but we're not perfect and we didn't start perfect and we're still not perfect and we'll never be perfect. Yeah, we all started somewhere, right? Like if people could see our day one, they wouldn't even think that was us, right? Yeah. Like that we 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 have to make it look good because it's our job and we've been practicing it. But if you could see us years ago, day one, you wouldn't have said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool like if we all followed ourselves around with phones from from the beginning of time and just did things for the first time and then we could see you know now what what it looks like when we did something 10 years ago. I would love to see what my squat and deadlift and 
pressing and everything looked like I'll never be able to, but I'm sure it was garbage. And, uh, but, but now it's much better. And still, you know, 10 years from now, I'll look back at it and be like, holy crap, what, what was I doing? Like, this is so terrible. Right. Yeah. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for myself. Like years ago, I actually, um, I had a trainer when I was really young, when I started competing in track. And I remember in, it was, so my chiropractor's clinic was also a personal training studio in the back. It was like in the same building. And so my chiropractor, I learned a lot from, he used to basically give me anatomy lessons from like a really young age in his office. And then my trainer was in the back. So I would go and train with him. And I remember once I started learning how to do squats and deadlifts and everything, and we perfected that. And then they wanted to add on the barbell. So now they had to get this barbell. They had never used barbells with their clients before. Um, most of them were like general population, but my trainer was a track athlete and his specialty when it comes to sports was speed. So um, he was like, okay, you, you're getting to the point where we need to get a barbell. So they get this barbell. And this was when I was, I want to say like 13, 14, when I started really getting serious into it. And just last week, I actually had to go to the chiropractic clinic to get fixed. And I went in the back for a second where the bathroom was and I saw the bar and I went to my chiropractor and I was like, is that still the same bar from back in the day? Like the original bar? He was like, yep, that's the OG bar. And I was like, oh my God, this is the bar that I learned everything on. I was like freaking out. I was like emotional over this barbell and it was, it just felt so nostalgic. And I took a picture of it because it just felt so good to see. I took a picture of it. Cause I'm like, this bar is where it all started. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. You gotta, you gotta find a way to get that barbell and keep it in your house or keep it in your gym or something. I should just buy it off of him actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is amazing thinking about how things started and I guess kind of bring this thing full circle a little bit. How did you progress from that, from being an athlete to getting on the coaching side of things? Where did that transition take place? So it actually started there with my trainer. Um, I mean, I had a lot of great mentors. So before I had my trainer, I actually, so my cousin is, do you know, Liebert fitness or Liebert equalizers? I've heard of it, um, through following you, but, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know of it. So my, for anyone listening, it's, if they don't know the technical name of it, I always describe it like this. If you've ever been in a gym and there's those two yellow things that look like hurdles and everyone's usually doing dips or rows on them, those are the Liebert equalizers. So my cousin is um, Mark Liebert. So he owns Liebert Fitness and he sells his equipment worldwide now. And I've been there since day one when he created this by accident in his garage when I was a kid and when he was going through all the prototypes of it and everything. So um, I saw that from the ground up. Up and I used to follow him around and shadow him, especially like in the summer times, I would shadow him when he was training people and he was bringing the first uh, variation of the equalizers around. He was training professional athletes as well as just general population, but he himself was uh, a pretty big athlete. So he loved to train athletes and people who work really, really hard. So I would shadow him at his gym. I would shadow him at clients' houses. He used to do like mobile training. So we would go to all these houses and I would be there and he would tell me why he was putting them through a certain program. And he'd be like, we're doing this exercise because X, Y, Z, and this is the muscle that it works. This is, um, he's doing it incorrect because of this. And then he would fix him and tell me why he was correcting him in that way. So those were like my first experiences with training, um, shadowing him all the time. And then when I started competing a lot in track, 
uh, I actually used to tell my dad that I wanted to do to go to the Olympics. And so my dad always believed in me heavily. I could tell him I wanted to be a unicorn and he would be like, you go. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what I tell him. He always just believes in me no matter how crazy my ideas are. So he was like, okay, cool. So he gets me a trainer um, that specializes in track and field. So his name was Ezron. And so Ezron and I worked together for a really long time. I used to refer to him as like my second dad almost because I would show up to train with him some days. And I remember if it was exam season and I was behind on my studying or behind on a project or something, he was very like, if you think of coach Carter or any of those movies where the coach is like strict, but because they love you, he was like that. He'd be like, well, if you're behind on homework and you're supposed to be studying for an exam, why are you here? Go home. Like, why are you training with me? And he would, he would give me shit if I was being irresponsible. But to me, like sports were just so important. I would rather train than do my homework. Mm -hmm. And so he had such a big impact on my life. He was at every single track meet, every single wrestling tournament. Um, and he just had such a big impact on my life. And I remember one day he said to me when I was probably like 15 years old, because I trained with him pretty much my entire teenage years. So I have a really good relationship with him. And he said to me one day, if it wasn't for having to put food on my table and a roof over my head, I would just do this for free and I wouldn't charge people. And that has always stuck in my head because that's how much he loves doing this. And um, that's how fulfilled he feels when he's helping other people. And ever since that day, I think that was probably the day that I decided that I wanted to be a trainer was when he said that to me and just knowing the impact he had on my life. And I think that I'd be in a completely different position if it wasn't for him. So, um, yeah, I pretty much spent like five days a week at his, at his studio training with him for my competitions. So there was him and then there was my cousin, Mark, and those two guys were a huge influence on, on my life. And then just the feeling I got when I was playing sports and how empowered I felt. I think I was, I learned what confidence was at a very young age from playing sports and from training and just seeing what I was capable of doing. And I wanted to pass that on to other people. Um, and so that's where it all started really. And then after high school, I went to college and I originally wanted to go straight to university, but there was a program at the college that allowed you to transfer over to university after. So you could get your degree and your diploma. And I was like, okay, you know what, let me just do college first and see if it's for me. Um, and then it, turned out. So I, I did the college and then I was thinking about going off to university. Um, and I ended up just giving myself a little break. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take a little break, clear my head and go celebrate what I just accomplished. Um, that's when I got a one-way flight to the Dominican Republic. And then while I was there, I had this epiphany that I didn't want to go to university and that school is just not for me. And, uh, I decided I would rather go and get experience and find more mentors. Like I've had mentors my whole life and learn that way. So, um, yeah, that's like long story short. <laughs> yeah. And so beautiful that you've, you've been lucky enough to have good mentors from an early age. And when it comes from your family, like your cousin, that's even, even better. Um, but you know, there's so many not great mentors out there, not great people who, who will coach youth athletes, coach kids, coach anybody. And it's unfortunate because it puts a bad taste in your mouth and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And that really sucks. But it's, it's amazing to hear that you've had those good people who have, you know, pa successfully passed on the message of doing good things into you. And then, you know, you are now doing good work kind of because of them or through them passing the message along. Right. And yeah. that's what I, that's what I think 
it's all about is is just the the next generation pass it on to everyone and you know both of us are, are, are i think we're close to the same age we're we're very young in that you know the next generation is like very far away from us but but it's still about passing that message on to other people and affecting other people's lives whether they're going to be coaches or not doesn't matter but i want to help everyone to like you know go improve your life through fitness and all that kind of stuff and i and i feel that you you feel the same i do and you know as much as so I, I've been super, super lucky because I've had so many amazing influences and mentors and coaches in my life. And although I have had a small handful, less than a handful of coaches where I didn't have the greatest experiences with, I don't regret that because I it taught me what I don't want and what I don't want to be and what I don't want other people to experience. So, you know, you have to go through those. It's just like when you have a bunch of jobs in your life, you have to go through all those crappy jobs with like the mean boss and whatever before you can appreciate and before you can learn. Um, um, you know, who you want to be. So I've learned a lot from those scenarios too. And it just makes me appreciate those other people way more than I would have had I not had those negative experiences. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to take from negative experiences in, in any aspect, right? You learn what you learn what not to do. Cause that's also important. But as long as you do it with your eyes open, instead of just getting salty and be like, Oh, F that person, they're, they're, they're an idiot. So like, Oh, that's not really helpful for you either. Right. So yeah, there's a lesson in everything. Yes, exactly. I, I 100% agree. Um, I wanted to ask you also about your, your other business. So, so the beauty business, it's spray tans, correct? Yes. So tell me about kind of the similarities and differences between that and, and the gym and how you kind of like manage all of that from, um, not, not from like a time standpoint so much, but like similar interests and similar mission. Well, to be honest, like when, uh, I'm trying to think back a couple of years, so when I moved back from the Dominican Republic, I was used to being like super tanned all the time. And then when I came back here, I was like, just not feeling myself because I was so used to that. Um, but we also have a skincare, skin cancer history in my mom's side of the family. So it kind of freaked me out a little bit being in the sun and going into tanning beds and stuff. I didn't want to get into that because I'm such a fitness and health junkie. It's just, you know, I don't like to take care of myself just from a fitness standpoint, but I like to be careful with what I do with my skin, what I do with my eating and all around just wellness. Right. So it goes hand in hand. So it's like, I don't want to start getting into tanning beds and stuff. So let me go and see if I can get a spray tan and see what it's like. I tried a couple of places out, didn't love them and thought that there had to be a way to do it better. So I decided to go and learn that. Um, I actually started out doing them in the gym in what was supposed to be my office. I pretty much turned my office into like a little spray tan studio. Um, but then our business grew here so quickly we needed that space. So I kicked myself out and found a new space. Um, and it does go hand in hand because of the fact that, well, it's wellness, number one. And number two, people who go to the gym and people who go and uh, spend money on services are typically the same kind of person. They want to feel good. They want to look good. They know that if they look good, then they're going to have more confidence. Um, so it typically ends up being the same target audience. And actually a lot of my clients that are at the gym do come for spray tans a lot of the time. So that ends up being really nice because it's like free marketing. Everyone <laughs> at the gym knows that I do that as well. And it's like a hundred meters down the road. So it's perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not someone who's involved in, in that industry. I have nothing against it. Obviously just not some that I've ever uh, got into. Uh, I'm sure you can tell. I know the video quality is poor. I'm extremely sunburned right now and my face <laughs> is super red. So, so that's a whole nother story. But I, but I totally agree that it's all part of wellness, all part of making yourself feel good. But do you get, do you get kickback about like vanity and, oh, it's, it's so superficial. Like, is that something that you, that you face? Um, 
to be honest, I haven't really. Um, no, not at all, actually, because I think we're getting to an era. I mean, maybe if I would have done it, say, five, ten years ago, but I feel like we're in this generation where everybody wants to look and feel good. And that's pretty common, I would say now. But I think five, ten years ago, it, I probably would have got that kind of kickback. But nobody says anything. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, uh, again, I don't know. So it's just a, a genuine question, but it's something that I would have thought that maybe would happen. But then at the same time, it's like, I think about if someone told me hey, I went to get a spray tan, I went to get, uh, I don't know, fake eyelashes, na- whatever. I'm like, good. Does it make you feel good? Okay, good. Then I don't, I don't care. Like, why would I judge someone for, for getting a spray tan or going in a tanning bed or anything like that? It's such a useless use of energy and, and complaining to even care or anything about that. If it makes you feel good, then, then by all means, if it's not hurting anybody else, then go ahead and do it. I feel like there's probably people that maybe think that, but they just haven't vocalized it. But I feel like I do a pretty good job at keeping a positive community around me. I mean, the people who follow me, I mean, both in real life and on social media are typically very supportive, um, positive people. I do a pretty good job at weeding out the negativity in my life. Um, and if I didn't, then I would probably get those comments. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, and I think just from following you and from, from your gym and whatnot, I, I think that you guys have done a good job of keeping the community. And it seems, you know, from a third party outside perspective, it seems like you guys have done a really good job. So congratulations on that. And, and I hope that it is able to continue and, and grow and progress more as things open up. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, so tell me about what, what you guys have going on. Tell me about the gym. Obviously things are not open right now. Um, how can people kind of access the gym? What, what can people look forward to when things do open and, and give me the, give me the pitch. Well, right now, I mean, our biggest thing is just being prepared for when we do open the doors and anyone who wants to come check it out. I usually let people try two free sessions and they can come in and meet me and give them a little tour. Um, So if anyone is in the GTA and wants to come here, we're located in Vaughn. Um, They can reach out to at O2FuelVaughn on Instagram or my personal Instagram at Janessa Loriano. You might have to put it in the description because nobody can ever spell my name. Um, I will. I will. Things to look forward to when we open is just, you know, coming and meeting our community and seeing how welcoming it is and seeing how everyone here just lifting each other up and being supportive. And obviously right now during COVID events are not a thing, but we typically like to do community events. So when COVID is over, everyone's vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. We will go back to our regular programming of having community events. Uh, We love to have events outside of the gym and just invite our members and tell them to bring their friends and their family uh, at Christmas. time actually or I shouldn't say Christmas time because we just call it our holiday gala in December we call it the holiday gala it's welcoming to anyone uh in our community and we have like an an award ceremony so every month we give someone this MVP award and it's someone who represents what we're about uh in terms of being positive working hard coming and being consistent and living this lifestyle we give them this MVP of the month um award and they get like one of those you know those WWE belts Mm -hmm. It's like that, but with our logo on it, this huge, like gaudy thing, just for something fun. I love and it. We usually give like a little speech and say, this is why this person got MVP this month. And then at the end of the year at our holiday gala, we bring all those MVPs up to the front. We usually rent out um, an event center and everybody gets dressed up to the nines. We celebrate our successes for the year. And normally we see everyone in their sweaty gym clothes. So it's nice to get people out. Girls are wearing like their gowns. Guys are all suited up for like the only time of the year we get to see people 
you know, dress all competent and dress all sexy, which is so cool because they trained all year for this. And then we award one person the MVP of the year. Uh, we actually let them all say like a little spiel at the front and then our community votes on who they think should be the MVP of the year and they get their next year of O2 field training for free. I love that. That's amazing. And and again, I mean, it just sounds like such a great community. I, I'm not part of the group fitness community, but you know, I, I'm from Vaughn and grew up there in high school, all my friends and whatever are all there. So all of you people listening, you're looking for a place to train well, when things do open up, Ultu Fuel is one place definitely to check out. But I think that that whole community thing is so great. And I really hope for, for all of our sake that you guys are able to have that holiday gala at the end of the year. Yeah, we were super bummed when we had to skip it this past year, but I was like, you know what, that just means it'll be bigger and better the next time. And our, our clients look forward to that, um, every year. So I'm really excited for the next one. It, it's probably going to be a crazy party just because people have been deprived. <laughs> for sure. As, as much as all the fitness and health stuff is, is prominent, there's going to be a lot of social obligations to catch up on when this thing opens up, which I'm uh, excited for and also a little bit a little bit scared of because it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a, a bombardment all around. But uh, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, it, it's all about balance. All right. Like you can have a little bit of fun and I'm excited for that, but I'm scared, too. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shit show at the beginning when things first open up. hundred <laughs> percent. I think I think last kind of like, you know, philosophical note to, I'll, I'll mention here is like my my idea of balance is balance in the extremes. Go 100 percent. Everything. <laughs> do everything. Work hard. Play hard. Do everything the hardest and then do nothing. And, and that those, those two extremes, that's my idea of balance rather than riding this like middle road all the time. I, I think, you know, obviously a lot, lots of work on there and that's not a fully thought out idea, but that's kind of my, my thought there, my idea. Work hard, play hard. Exactly. So <laughs> one more time, um, let people know where they can find you, the, the spray tan as well. O2 Fuel Vaughn, Janessa Loriano. Yeah. So if you go to my personal account at Janessa Loriano, then I have both of the handles for both my businesses there. So you can follow me and then you can follow my business accounts from there. Perfect. And again, I'll, I'll put those in the show notes here so people can click through to that. Um, and that's that. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with today? This has been awesome. Just um, last thing I'll say is just try to stay positive. I know most of the people listening to this have been, everyone has been affected by this last year somehow. So I'll just leave it on a positive note and say like, keep, keep the hope and keep the faith because when this is over, everything is going to just be amazing. And we've learned lots of lessons. Just when things open up again, make sure you take the lessons with you that you learned during the pandemic and don't forget about them. Make sure you carry them with you forward after this. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Janessa. I, I really appreciate your time and, and for you coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. Bye-bye, everybody. What a fantastic conversation that was. And I'm just so humbled and it's so amazing to connect with people who think like-minded and that we understand that fitness is important, but it's not the only thing. There's so much more to it and it's just something that we can use to anchor ourselves down and, and really help in the rest of our life. And I'm so happy that Janessa and I connected on so many things. All of the controversy stuff is is sad. And I think that we really do need to just be better humans. And, I, and I've said this before, but I truly believe that taking control of our fitness and our health is one step to really start that off. If if you spend too much time grinding out a PR and a deadlift, you, you don't have the time or the energy and nor do you give a shit to go and you know bother people online. It's just not something that's going to happen. I've never seen good people do that. So 
I don't know what the answer is. Be a good person. Be better. Uh, thank you so much to Janessa for doing this. We, we spoke a little bit more after we recorded and, and had more good things to say, but we'll definitely do this again in the future. It was, it was amazing to connect with her. If you're in the Vaughn area, like I know that many of you are, because that's where I'm from, then definitely go check out O2 Fuel when things do open up again. And I'll post all the links to Janessa's stuff in the show notes as per usual. Um, and that's that. If you're not following me, please follow me on Instagram. Check in with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to see. Let me know what you don't want to see. All that kind of stuff. You can find me at Daniel Yoris, just my name on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever, wherever you want to find me. Um, and I think that's all I have for today. Thank you again to Janessa. Thank you for you. Thank you to you for listening and for your time and attention as always. If you have a minute, I would greatly appreciate if you were able to leave a rating and review on iTunes for the podcast. It just helps grow and spread this message of just being a nicer person, being a better human overall. So thank you so much for that. Subscribe, follow, like all those, you know, whatever social things. That's it. Bye-bye. Chat soon.